0: Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right, boys and girls, you know where you are, you know what time it is. This is Tyler Schaff, and I am the host of the Cash Flow Guys Podcast. And oh my freaking God, what the hell is going on in the country this week? Oh, so I'm sitting there watching a little bit of C-SPAN, you know, because there's really no commentary, you just get to hear what those elected idiots are saying. I'm listening to President Biden talking about... The whole eviction. Somebody asked him about the eviction van. What's going to happen with it? He sits there and basically says in a a nutshell that, well, you know, it's complicated and we're probably, you know, it's, it's expired and yada, yada, yada. And I think, okay, good. So all my landlord buddies and we can get back to business and get back to making money and do what we got to do. And I think it was about 20, 30 minutes later, maybe an hour later, boom. Eviction ban suddenly is back on again. CDC is back at it again and they throw another eviction ban on. And guys, for the record, I didn't even know, and I don't know about the rest of you, but I didn't even know that the CDC, I, if you would have asked me that as a test question for any point in my life, even regardless how much experience I have as a real estate investor, I would have said, no, idiot, the CDC can't do an eviction ban. They're the Center for Disease Control. They don't have any authority to talk about evictions. That's for like, I don't know, Supreme Court, maybe congress senate who knows but it's definitely not the cdc that'd be like saying the u.s postal service could implement an eviction ban It'd make about as much sense and lo and behold that's what happened so this week guys i got a treat for you i got my buddy sean yesner with us and sean is a real estate attorney in pinellas county florida and he works pinellas hillsborough tampa bay area and he's licensed as an attorney here in the state of florida sean you with me
1: yep yep thank you for having me on
0: man, when I saw this, I was like, I got to get Sean on the, on, the, on the horn to help me demystify this. So guys, Sean, besides being a buddy of mine, is one of the attorneys that we use in our daily dealings in real estate. Uh, I refer clients to him. And what I like about Sean is he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not excitable, right? He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not theatrical and make a big deal out about a nothing. He's not, he's an attorney that's not Sue happy. He usually, he comes across and gives logical answers. He's Sean, you've been great at calming me down a couple of times when I wanted to strangle somebody <laughs> legally. It's like, Sean, I want to kill him. <laughs> Just go get him. He's like, well, let's talk about it for a moment. I'm like, damn it. He's going to apply logic. I hate when you apply logic, but here we are. Uh, I was before we did this episode, I popped on to a couple different counties. I'm down here in key West. So Monroe County, 35 eviction cases in the last 12 months. I've kind of surprised me. And then Hillsborough County, which is Tampa for those of you that are not from Florida, 502 pending cases in various states of completion in hillsborough county god knows how many in pinellas they made it difficult for me to figure that out um but it's a it's a real shit show obviously and um, this eviction moratorium has been reinstated by the cdc i guess sean we can get into the legalese which we, we can or cannot but i guess it's a new order or an amendment of a different order whatever last time i checked i mean i heard the president say the Supreme Court considered it unconstitutional. I heard his words. I hit rewind, watched it again, hit rewind, watched it again. It was crazy. And then if this is outside of their powers to do this, if the original ban was outside of their powers, it's been declared unconstitutional. I know you're done a Supreme Court justice, and
1: but just in your general opinion, how is this even remotely possible? So my understanding is that the the Supreme Court's decision has been appealed. Of course. Right. And, and, and it, it's going to be continued to be reviewed. And so because of the appeal, the Supreme court said, um, and I don't know that appeals the right word, maybe reheard. They, they want a rehearing. They want that. They want to, actually what happened was it was a Texas court, as I recall, that ruled it was unconstitutional and that's, what's now been appealed. And so uh, basically because there's an appeal, the order's not completely final. And so that's where the Supreme Court came out and said, we're, we're not going to really enforce this as being unconstitutional until the appeal is done. And so that's what now allows, that. that's what throws this question in as to whether the president can do it, should Congress do it. I think the Supreme Court came out and said, we're not going to really enforce, you, you know, we're not going to... Um, get rid of the CDC moratorium unless Congress says, get rid of it, reimpose it, whatever. And Congress said, well, we're not going to do it. Biden, you do it. And Biden said, well, I'm not going to do it. Congress, you do it. And back and forth and back and forth. But I think ultimately what happened was the CDC came out and said, we're going to impose it again under our authority to basically keep the country safe from diseases. And while everything is still in flux being appealed, the order is what the order is
0: and the end of that story that goes along like this and then congress went home
1: <laughs> right and then they said we're done we're going on vacation right we're taking our we're taking our break thanks all right exactly have a great day peace out mic drop so why does anybody
0: and i'm going to include the judges on the local level that's that preside over eviction courts why does anybody need to stop processing eviction cases or is that not really the case they don't have to stop processing which is it
1: yeah, I don't think they have to stop processing. And and I think I'm a little bit more aggressive in terms of the attorneys that do this type of law. I, I don't think they have to stop processing. I think so the, the definition, and I'm reading from the new CDC order, but I think it's very, very similar to the old one. The new order says evict or eviction means any action by a landlord, owner of a residential property, or other person with a legal right to pursue eviction to remove or cause the removal of a covered person from a residential property. So the way that I read that, what they're saying is the eviction is actually when the sheriff shows up and says, get out. Right. So anything up to that point is okay, is my interpretation of the CDC's um, moratorium here. So the eviction can be filed. The eviction can be prosecuted i can get a judgment that says my uh landlord client is entitled to possession under the cdc guideline i can't send it to the sheriff to force the tenant out i see okay what i was going to come out
0: of left field with this one but what if i just decide you know what screw it I, if the president and the cdc have decided to ignore the supreme court i'm going to just ignore the president and the cdc what kind of consequences? And I realize that you're a Florida attorney. You don't, your license doesn't extend beyond the state lines, but what happens to me in Pinellas County or in Florida? And this is, again, could just be an opinion. If I just say the hell with it, I knock on the door and say, get out.
1: Well, first of all, in Florida, self-help evictions are not allowed. Okay. So you can't just show up on, and knock on the door and say, get out. Uh, you can't do what's called a constructive eviction. So that's turning off the air conditioner in the summer I would say turning off the heat in the winter, but Florida winters are not really known for being that difficult. Um, But you can't, you can't do things that make the condition, the living conditions so unbearable that the tenants move out. You you can't do a constructive eviction. So you can't do that. Uh, You can't, you know, show up with, with, uh, you know, your, your baseball bat and say, get out. That's, that's criminal. Uh, If you were to proceed with the foreclosure and, or I'm sorry, the eviction anyway, The defendant, the tenant could potentially go to the judge. And if you ignore the CDC guidelines, now you're venturing into areas of contempt, which are criminal sanctions. Uh, And then the other thing, too, is, you know, I do represent. So I, I represent investors. I represent landlords. But I do also represent from time to time borrowers, tenants, whatnot. There is a law in Florida. There's a federal mirror to it. The Florida Consumer Collection Practices Act. The federal version is the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. That's the law that says you can't call before eight o'clock in the morning. You can't call after night. You can't harass. You can't do that. Well, theoretically, if the CDC has this moratorium in place and a landlord says, screw it, I'm going to evict anyway, they may have committed a violation under the FCCPA, the Florida version or the federal version, and could be sued for that. Ouch. It's like, they got every
0: angle covered. (laughs) It seems like, can I move in with them? If they leave the door open, can I just go in there and sit down?
1: (laughs) Sure. It's your house. No, no, that's not my legal advice. Right. What's for dinner? Pot roast. Great. I'll bring the bread. (laughs) What could go wrong? It it can't hurt to knock on the door and say, you know, Hey, you're human. I'm human. We got this issue. We want to resolve it. You know, let's talk it out. There's nothing wrong with that. Right
0: while on Facebook live with flashing lights in the background,
1: <laughs> right.
0: right? I'm going to embarrass you for being a deadbeat. Get out of my house. You squatter. <laughs> right. I do right. see both sides of this guys. For those listening, it's like, I'm not completely one-sided and hundred percent in favor of the landlords because I'll be honest, there's a lot of deadbeat landlords out there. How do I know this? Because I've bought some of the properties that were managed by these knuckleheads and had to clean the mess up, clean up somebody else's mess. I've been down here in key West and i walked through some properties and I've thought, good God, you should be ashamed of yourself and you're getting $2,800 a month rent for a one-bedroom and this place isn't even habitable. Uh, So I see both sides of it and I I do believe that everybody deserves a fair shake, but I also believe that, you know, if you make a commitment to somebody, you say you're going to do something, uh, unfortunate circumstances happen, figure out a way, borrow money from someone. The second issue that nobody really seems to be talking much about, which is driving me crazy, is there is assistance out there the federal government has said on several occasions in the last 24, 48 hours, hey, look, we wrote the check. We sent the money to the state and the counties and the, and the cities, if applicable. You need to go talk to your local people. And then the local people are like, try to, try to get a hold of somebody locally. Before this episode, I called Pinellas County uh, Rental Assistance just to see if I could get through and ask a couple of questions. And I just wound up in a big phone loop. And I invested a good 30 minutes in a phone loop trying to get somebody on the phone. So I get it. Jimmy, the landlord's banging on the door. You're trying to get these knuckleheads in whatever county or city you're in to get some rental assistance to, for your landlord. We got to change the legislation. Maybe have the landlords participate and they apply as well. Or there needs to be some loophole, or not really a loophole, but there needs to be some procedural change
1: to make this easier for people. Yeah. I've always said that I think that what always bothered me was that the rental assistance was only available to the tenants. I said, look, make it available to the landlords. Let the landlords apply for it. Right. And that way that there'll be I think there would be more control. Now, again, I agree with you. There's there's I think this law was designed for the person who's trying, but really was impacted by covid. Is trying to pay rent, but just doesn't have the full rent every month and is doing what they can. That's what this person was, that's what this law was made for. It wasn't made for the people that, you know, are not paying, have the ability to pay rent and are not paying rent, right. but are, you know, taking vacations and buying TVs and that, that wasn't made for them. So to be clear, the moratorium applies to COVID, but if you're a deadbeat,
0: you just decided not, you know, you have a job or if if the if the opposing counsel the attorney or the the uh, plaintiff i guess in this would be, would be the landlord can prove that you have the ability or don't qualify for the exemption then there's still a chance to get an, an eviction through is that the case at least in Florida yeah
1: we yeah we've been successful i had i had one person call me today her her eviction is scheduled for next week um i had two more writ of possessions go through today as a matter of fact so right. we are we are still evicting people even though the CDC uh, guidelines were in place and, right. and are again in place the the new the new moratorium has a lot of similarity in terms of the criteria to the last one. The only one that it adds is uh, that the, the county that where the tenant lives is experiencing substantial or high rates of uh, transmission levels of COVID. Right. Uh, other than that, the the two. Uh, moratoriums are very similar in their criteria and we've been able to evict people just despite or we've been able to prove that the tenants are not in compliance with those criteria and and get them evicted so that's good stuff because i know there's a lot of people i've talked to people that have called me and they're sitting on the
0: sidelines and they're in a panic and they're all over the country they're going dude what do i do i'm like you need to get an attorney involved and find out how this applies to you and your municipality every situation is we, you don't know until you you do something to sit back and armchair quarterback this. Is unless you can f- financially fund your investment properties without the rent, then you might want to rethink that. Get out there, get a real estate attorney or somebody that has a specialty in eviction or landlord tenant law on your side to figure out what the heck's going on in your municipality, what how this applies to you, and more importantly, I know Sean. Some areas in the state in this across the country, they do have. Funding available for landlords that landlords who are proactive can apply for and get. In some cases, Uh, that's not the case from what I can tell in Pinellas County. But uh, I I know I've heard that's a thing. Now came from the news, so who knows how accurate that is? But that's what I heard. Um, Any feedback on that? As far as can, do you do you? I guess my my question really remains is if you get, let's say you get landlord assistance or the tenant pays you, let's say there's, I don't know, six months past due. And for whatever reason, the assistance works out to be four months and there's still a two month deficiency. Is there still grounds to do an eviction? Is the money still owed? Is it
1: waived at that point? Is there any of that going on or how's that? Yeah. So, two answers. One, one of the evictions that I just had go through was that very situation. The landlord had received and the rent was $1,100 a month. The landlord received $3,300 of assistance uh, that the tenant had applied for, Uh, but the tenant was still, I think, four months behind. And so the five criteria here number one, the tenant has to have used all best efforts to obtain governmental assistance. Well, we checked the box in this case because they got $3,300. The individual earns no more than $99,000 a year. Uh, or 198 if filing jointly, this is a person that that we could check uh, that box as well. Okay. Uh, num- number three, the individual is unable to pay the full rent or make a full housing payment due to substantial loss of household income, loss of hours, loss of work, loss of wages, layoffs, or extraordinary out-of-pocket medical expenses. Okay. So I, I assume if you said, you know, I had COVID and went into the hospital, those would be extraordinary out-of-pocket medical expenses. Sure. Uh, number four, the individual is using best efforts to make timely partial rent payments that are as close to the full rental payment as the individual's circumstances may permit. So so they're trying, um, taking into account other non-discretionary expenses. And number five, eviction would likely render the individual homeless or force the individual to move in and reside in close quarters uh, with people that they're not related to. So again, number five, we check that box. But the problem for the tenant in the one that I just got was, was number three and four, because the tenant, I actually had the tenant testify that they were able to pay down some of their debts. They were able to, you know, they had taken a vacation recently they had done. And I said, well, if you're taking vacations and you're paying down debts, then you're not using your best efforts to make a full rent or as much of the rent as you can possibly pay. The tenant testified that they were. They testified. The tenant testified they were still uh, four months behind. That they had gotten their job back and they were making money uh, again. You know, at their at their new job, and so I was able to prove to the judge they're not using their best efforts to pay partial rent payments, and um, they're not even trying to make a partial payment. And so, for that reason, the judge. Uh, denied their, that that the moratorium applied or said the moratorium didn't apply uh, because under the CDC affidavit, you've got to meet all five meeting four of the five ain't enough. Right. And so the judge said, you didn't meet your burden, Mr. tenant. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm granting the eviction for the landlord. Nice. Good for them. And yeah. um, you know, the, the other thing I wanted to mention too, you said, I think if you're a landlord and you're having problems because your tenants aren't paying you, go to the bank, call the bank. You know, Hey bank, I'm trying, but my tenant's not paying me. Can we modify the loan? Can right. we go on up forbearance? Can we do this? Can we do that? So, you know, still reach out to the bank if, even if your tenant's not paying you and see if you can get some help on that end.
0: That's good advice. I, you know, it's easy to overlook that and to skip that piece, right? Forget all about that. It's like, you just <laughs> go into a panic. It's like, they're going to take my property. Oh goodness. Uh, you mentioned earlier about basically doing your own eviction type of thing. Does that include self-representation in eviction court? Can you represent yourself in an
1: eviction court? So two things. Number one, uh, if you have your property in an LLC or even, I think, a trust, um, maybe not a trust if, if you're the individual trustee. Right. If the trustee is an LLC or corporation or if you own the property in an LLC or a corporation, Florida law says that uh, a corporation or an LLC cannot represent itself pro se, cannot represent okay. itself. Right. Um, so you would have to have an attorney in a situation like that. Uh, if, if you own the property in your name individually, number one, call me and let's talk about LLCs and corporations and trusts. <laughs> right but but number 2 yeah you can i mean what i do is not necessarily rocket science um so yeah you can but you just need to be aware you know there's there's landmines and and being an attorney is not you know it's not law and order it's not right you know it's not a few good men <laughs> yeah you don't have to be basin. You know, right so uh, you know this is this is what i do for a living i know the ins and outs i've i've handled these hearings before i've been in front of a lot of the local judges you know I, you would be smart enough tyler a lot of our clients a lot of our friends a lot of our investors i'm certainly going to say they are certainly smart enough to represent themselves in court but they make money by finding properties and doing deals and flipping and renting and all that stuff they don't make money by sitting around in in a courtroom in a suit and tie that's that's how i make my money so well, let let me do my thing. I'll let you do your thing.
0: Here's where the whole self-representation thing falls apart for me. For me to be successful, I would first have to be able to look myself in the mirror and say, Tyler, under no circumstances, will you allow emotion to take over? If you owe me money, you can bet your sweet ass I'm going to be emotional about it. <laughs> it's exactly. just not possible. For me to keep it together i mean you you represented me recently in a transaction with an advertising agency and i was an emotional i was like i you're the first person on my speed dial is like i want to kill these fuckers," and, you know I, I was mad and again you, you you solved the problem right you taught me off a ledge and you solved the problem so guys if you're going to represent yourself understand that the other party is gonna pull push buttons i mean especially if they're what i call a professional tenant somebody that is really good at the victim trade right You don't put any emotion towards it, Sean. I've seen you in your office. I've seen you in action. You know, hashtag Yesner wins. You just ask the right questions, get to the bottom line, and and you make it happen. I'm not going to have that same skill. Now, could I do that for somebody else? Sure, I do it for my real estate clients all the time. My real estate clients, I've had sellers and buyers want to strangle the other party. I'm real good at not being emotional because I'm not emotionally tied to the transaction. Uh, I know I'm going to get paid because I make deals happen. And I'm pretty chill about the whole thing, which is what it takes to make it happen. But if somebody doesn't pay me, like I have, I have borrowers right now for mortgages that haven't paid in a long, long time, so much so that I no longer count on the income. <laughs> well, thank God the foreclosure moratorium expired because guess what, guys? <laughs> yeah, woo, we're getting ready to go crazy. But which brings me to the next question. Uh, getting past that, there's a lot of people have asked me, hey, man, I've got an office complex and I'm renting out offices. Do, does the CDC thing apply to somebody that's renting an office? No, it only applies to residential. It, it does not apply to commercial. Okay. So what about somebody lives on a boat and they rent a slip from a marina? Can they be evicted? And if you Wow. Know, that's a tough one, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I, I would think, so it's, it's interesting because, because you're evicting, you're actually doing what's called an ejectment. You're, you're removing the boat from the slip. You're not removing the person from the boat. Right. So I think in a situation like that, yeah, you could probably do it. You know, take your boat and go somewhere else. Now, if you had a security interest against the boat and they weren't paying you for the boat, now we're talking more foreclosure world or Replevin is what was what it's called when it's not a foreclosure. So even there, I think yeah, because the the eviction the foreclosure moratorium no longer applies, and and I don't think it would apply in a situation like that anyway. So I, I think the answer would be yes. And I imagine the same would probably apply. The same logic would apply to
0: like a lot rent. Well, and I'll say what when I go into lot rent, there's I see two extremes. I see the RV that's running. You can just pull up the jack, start it up, and drive it away, and just get out because you're not paying like an RV park situation. Versus a mobile home where that sucker's not moving, you drive through Pasco County, you see, they've been there since 1957 and they're not moving. Right. Um, I would imagine the ones that are permanently part of the lot, this eviction ban, provided they qualify, would probably have some teeth. Is that fair?
1: Possibly. But again, I don't know if that's necessarily an eviction. In other words, if you're not paying the lot rent. So there's there's a separate statu- statutory structure in Florida for Uh, mobile home evictions separate from residential and commercial and whatever. So I would have to double check that. But my gut reaction is that the CDC moratorium may not apply because you're, you're trying to get the mobile home out of there. Plus the person who's not paying you rent. Right. Um, But again, I would be. So, what I would do in a situation like that is see if there's a way that you can tie it. So, another big myth about the moratorium, the CDC moratorium, is that um, it applies to all evictions everywhere. Well, well, it doesn't apply if the lease has expired. It doesn't. It doesn't apply if there's a violation unrelated to the payment of rent. So, if you're in a mobile home situation and you can, or any kind of landlord-tenant situation, and you can tie the default to something other than the failure to pay rent, you should still be able to evict.
0: Okay. All right. Like I had a tenant a couple of years back that, uh, and I think, you know, the property Sean over there in Tampa, the, the fourplex I had in, over in uh, on Mohawk and Seminole Heights. Two days after we bought the property, there was a shooting. My, yeah, tenant, I that. my tenant went rat tat tat <laughs> and got into a shootout with some other hoodlum in the street. And there was bullets in my building literally holes through the concrete, shattered glass. The neighbor's house got shot up. It was crazy. And guys, this wasn't in the hood. This is in a, in a nice neighborhood. Uh, but boy, they turned into a hood quickly. And I was able to use that uh, to get them. Well, I didn't have to take them to court after all. I had a very direct conversation with them about uh, you almost killed a baby. I can right. call the attorney and you're going to be really embarrassed if I make this a legal issue. So I'd just go ahead and pack yourself and get your ass out of my property really quick. And they did. Um, So luckily I I got lucky on that one. I didn't have to bring you in on that one. I brought you in for other things on that property, but not that one. We'll talk about that some other day, maybe, but
1: not today. But I remember you called me on that one and I was sort of waiting in the wings in case, (laughs) because I think you got, you ended up getting a letter from one of these firms that, advertise on billboards and tvs yes. um and and i remember sort of being on the ready but but it ended up like you said it ended up getting taken care of pretty easy i'm yeah they, they called me they did like a discovery
0: call and basically i'm the owner of the building i'm like well first of all it happened two days after i owned the property um second of all your client was arrested for aggravated battery and attempted murder uh, and you know has a laundry list so i would do a little inward revision and, and look inward before you even bother getting me on the phone and talk about liability. And by the right. way, I'm not afraid to lawyer up. <laughs> they were like, oh, hell, <laughs> this guy's going to be a pain in the butt. Yeah. Uh, all right, Sean, thank you very much. Uh, I really got a lot of, out of that and I hope that those of you listening to the episode, take a minute if this applies to you or if you're thinking about, and this is the other thing is a lot of you I talked to are out there thinking about, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to buy, investment property because the tenants aren't going to pay. They're going to claim COVID and uncle Joe and the CDC, are going to let them live there for free. And I'm going to go bankrupt. And I get it. Trust me. I get it. I'm down here right now, writing offers on multifamily property in Key West. And don't think those thoughts have crossed my, haven't crossed my mind because they have. But as you heard today in this episode, there are lots of different exceptions to the rule. There's lots of different uh, things and ways that you can make this work. And Sean, thank you so much for taking your time out of your busy schedule to Help me through this little debacle as we navigate these these uncharted waters. So yeah, anytime. I, I appreciate that. And guys, I'm going to wrap it up right there and just reassure you that, hey, there's, there's always a way. There's always an answer. And the key is to surround yourself with the experts that will help you navigate these tumultuous waters. I mean, it's rough waters out there. I just had a situation a few weeks ago. I got on the phone. I called Sean and said, how do we fix this? And Sean got on the phone with me, and we talked it through, and we were able to work it out. I don't even think we got on the phone. I think it was a text or an email conversation. Solved the problem. I was $6,000 to the positive, so I won my case. It was great. It didn't even become a case. And that's how good you were, Sean, and thank you so much for that. And Guys, if you want to reach out to Sean, go to the show notes. If you're in Florida and need an attorney, reach out to him and get going this week.